I'm Pastor Cabot. Uh, let, if you would please uh, bow your heads with me, we're going to pray. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we pray that your name is hallowed, we pray that your name is revered, lifted up, and considered holy by all created beings. We ask that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, thank you that your kingdom has already come near and will be fully established through your Son, Jesus. You who have begun a good work in us will be faithful to bring it completion till the day of Christ Jesus. God, you know what we need on this day. We pray that you would provide our daily bread so that we will learn to trust you for what we do not have. Forgive us for sinning against you. Forgive us for the debts that we cannot repay as we have forgiven our debtors. For those of us who have been stuck in a place of unforgiveness, loosen our chains. Help us to forgive. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We ask that you change our desires, that they would be first and foremost for you. Jesus told us that wherever our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Through the power of your spirit, we pray that our hearts will grow to treasure you above all other things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you uh, to those who have donated your time for working on the tractor. I'm really grateful for how uh, the church has come around and, and uh, served on this project. Uh, some of it I've captured on video. It will eventually be used in a time lapse when we are in the building. And as you can see... The drone that I was using is a little worse for wear now, uh, but it has been helpful in capturing a bird's eye view of the construction. Um, here you can see what's uh, happening this week as they set large beams that will support our roof structure. Uh, thank you, Noel Steel, for your help with that. They'll continue working on the support steel till it's completed, and after that we'll see the roof structure go up. Um, just a reminder, LifeSpring is building a place to gather for the neighborhood, to bless the neighborhood, schools, and families in, uh, in our surrounding area. And when this 21 and a half acre site is complete, it will have many things going on there. It'll be pedestrian driven, it'll have retail, it'll have community center space, playground, walking path. Uh, but our desire is to, to bless the people of our community. And uh, we pray that many would have the highest blessing of knowing Christ as their savior. Um, I want to, uh, I just want to give the Lord uh, a little thanks and praise. Can we, uh, can we do that right now? Just to thank you, God. Yeah. Um, we are grateful for the Lord's help with us, and, and we, we remember that uh, what we're building here is just a place to gather. The church is uh, the, the work of Christ with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, uh, now, speaking of the Holy Spirit, today is the first Sunday of a four-week series uh, that we have, uh, we're starting right now, called Living by the Spirit. Um, and Living by the Spirit is one of the core commitments at LifeSpring Community Church. Uh, it's also one of the commandments in Scripture. Um, so where should we start with a conversation uh, about living by the Holy Spirit? Uh, you might have heard of spiritual fruit, uh, we read a passage today from Galatians, uh, Galatians 5. You might have heard about spiritual gifts. 
the Holy Spirit is the source of spiritual fruitfulness. The Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual gifts, uh, but that's perhaps not the best place to start with the Holy Spirit. Um, who is the Holy Spirit? Is uh, the Holy Spirit a divine fruit farmer? Or like Santa Claus that comes on his sleigh and delivers good gifts to, to people? Um, who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do and why should it matter to us? Uh, if you are asking these questions, you're in luck uh, because my plan is to introduce the Holy Spirit today and ask these three questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is his business? And why does it matter? So as we start out here, uh, let's find out what we already know. And I, I, I've seen a few folks earlier today that look like they're a little tired, maybe haven't got their caffeine yet or not. So I'm just going to take, take a deep breath right now because I'm actually going to ask you for a response here. Um, who is the Holy Spirit? Um, we have a pop quiz here. So uh, is the Holy Spirit a member of the church, the Trinity, or the body? Shout it out if you know it. Trinity. Trinity. All right, we're doing good so far. Um, all right, next question. In what book is the Holy Spirit first mentioned? Genesis, Psalms, Luke, or Acts? Genesis. Genesis. Very good. All right, number three. The Holy Spirit can appear at the same time as Jesus. True or false? Oh, I got a mixed reaction here. True or false? Say it loud and proud. True. It's true. All right. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. All right. Number four. Uh, who did the Holy Spirit come upon in Scripture? Craftsmen, kings, prophets, fishermen, C and D, or all of the above? All of the above. Very good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool, some of the stories in Scripture upon who the Holy Spirit came upon various individuals. All right, well, thank you for participating in that with me. Uh, we as Christians believe that our God is triune. Uh, we believe in the Trinity. And uh, so the concept of the Trinity shows up in Scripture, but it also shows up in our creeds, like the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed. It shows up in our songs, like Wonderful, Merciful Savior. Um, we believe in one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, they are one in essence, but they also have important distinctions. The Holy Spirit is God, just as God the Father is. God the Son is God. But the Holy Spirit is also a unique personality within the Godhead. And so as we answer this question, who is the Holy Spirit, uh, we must remember that the Holy Spirit is God, together with God the Father and Jesus, his Son, so the topic of the Trinity is sort of a, a deep well. Uh, there's a lot going on there. But the reason I introduce it is because we'll be referring back to this idea, we believe in one God and three persons. Now, who is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit within the Godhead? Uh, the first clue is in the name itself, Holy and Spirit. And so holy generally means set apart to belong to God. The word spirit means wind, breath, spirit, and both Greek and Hebrew can have, have all of those meanings uh, with connotations of power, energy, and life. 
So taken together, the words Holy Spirit indicate the person of God set apart for the life-giving work of God. Uh, Author, pastor, theologian Sinclair Ferguson describes the Spirit of God having almost a violent dimension to it. Um, There is power in God's Holy Spirit, and yet, Ferguson says, it's clear from various biblical references that the Spirit denotes more than simply the energy of God. It describes God as extending himself in the active engagement with his creation in a personal way. For example, Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 3.16, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. In other words, the Father sends, the Son comes, and the Spirit vindicates. Jesus' disciple Peter wrote to a scattered act, Cappadocia, to God the Father, and to Jesus, be yours in abundance. The Father plans, the Son sacrifices, and the Spirit applies. Do you get it? The Spirit is actively working. He's doing the work planned out in the mind of God. The Spirit is actively doing the work planned out in the mind of God. As Ferguson notes, the Holy Spirit is extending God's presence into creation in such a way as to order and complete what has been planned in the mind of God. That's his role. So the Holy Spirit is more powerful than we can imagine. Um, Can you imagine infinite power? I'm a finite creature. I know I can't. The Holy Spirit transcends our limited ability to comprehend, and yet the Spirit is also intimately involved in every detail of creation planned out in the mind of God. So to give imagery to what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit is like a sword that can swipe planets out of the sky and also like a scalpel that can work on the human heart, bringing life, restoration, and transformation. Genesis 1 and 2 In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Concerning this passage, Wayne Grudem writes, from the very beginning of creation, we have an indication that the Holy Spirit's work is to complete and sustain what God the Father has planned and what God the Son has begun. Sound familiar? God plans it out, and the Spirit activates So from the very beginning, the Spirit was involved in creation. And we think of the power and energy required to create the cosmos, everything that we know. But this is not an impersonal force. So Genesis 1 describes this creation of everything. It's it's just everything. The creation of all creation. And then when we get to Genesis 2... 2.7 uh, more intimately describes the creation of the first person. Uh, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So we are the dust of the earth. We are creaturely. We are tied to creation. We are creatures that belong to all of creation. We're not apart from that. But we are also the breath of God's mouth. Remember, the the word breath also means spirit. God has breathed life into us. 
So we are the dust of the earth and the breath of God's mouth. We are tied to creation, but we're also tied to God. God's Spirit gives us our life force. And so the Holy Spirit is not a blind and impersonal force, nor does the Holy Spirit simply, uh, is the Holy Spirit simply a warm feeling in our chest. The Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of the Godhead whose power is beyond our comprehension, uh, is directed by the mind of God and intimately involved in God's creation. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Now, I know that's a lot to take in. There's some theological concepts and everything, but I want you to remember the Holy Spirit is the power of God in action, and the Holy Spirit is not an intimately in. Well, we learned about the Holy, what the Holy Spirit has done. We've already talked about some of the things the Holy Spirit has done. The Holy Spirit has created everything. The Holy Spirit is uh, activating uh, what's in the mind of God. Um, we've said that uh, the Holy Spirit is extending God's presence into creation in such a way as to order and complete what has already been planned in the mind of God. But how does the work of the Spirit relate to the work of Christ? So there are three persons in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and there's a work that Jesus did that we're all familiar, well, as Christians, are, we're familiar with, that Jesus was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus lived his life here and, and walked among us, teaching, healing, um, helping us to understand how we ought to live life. Jesus was God in person walked among us and ultimately sacrificed his own life so that we could have his righteousness in exchange for our own unrighteousness. How does the Holy Spirit relate to that? In this uh, passage we read today, uh, John 16, 7, Jesus told his disciples, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Um, now, in our pop quiz, I asked if Jesus and the Holy Spirit can come at the same time and, and be among us. And uh, do they have to be appear at one time or another? And actually, um, thinking that they can only appear one time or another, that there is, is, uh, is actually a little bit of a heresy. So don't think that. Um, God the Father, God um, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are, are not like... Um, water that turns to ice or steam, it can only be one thing at a time. They exist, they coexist at the same time. For example, when Jesus was baptized, God the Father um, spoke into that, the Holy Spirit was present in the form of a dove, and Jesus was there. So um, that, that the, the fact that they can um, all coexist is important for us to understand. Now, why would the advocate, the Holy Spirit, not come until Jesus left, if they can appear at the same time? And um, what we said is the Father plans, the Son sacrifices, the Spirit applies. Um, what was taking place here is that Jesus had a ministry that he was um, completing on earth, but the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came, when Jesus ascended into heaven, it sort of um, came a, a new era for us. This is the era of the Holy Spirit. This is the time. It's not the Holy Spirit never appeared before that, but this is the time the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus made God visible and knowable. The mystery of the incarnation is incredible. 
the, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, conceiving Jesus as a man. Jesus came and lived this perfect life, example, sacrificed on our behalf. Uh, that's the work of Christ, but this isn't the end of the story. In Philippians 1.6, it says, He who began a good work in you will be carried on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, helps complete the work that Christ begun, is active in our lives to this day in the work of sanctification, making us more who we ought to be, and the work of redemption. So how does the Holy Spirit continue the work of Jesus? Um, Jesus actually answered that very question, John 3, when he was speaking to a man named Nicodemus. Uh, Jesus explained that the Holy Spirit was not only involved in God's creative work, he's also intimately involved in God's restorative work. So Jesus explained to Nicodemus that if he wanted to see the kingdom of God, if he wanted to experience the kingdom of God, he must be born again. He must experience spiritual rebirth. In that passage, Jesus used the analogy of wind to describe the Holy Spirit. John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Spiritual rebirth is being born of the Spirit. So when we are talking about who is the Holy Spirit, one answer is the Holy Spirit's like the wind. You can see what it does. We can see the Holy Spirit's work in another person. We can see the power of the Holy Spirit in all of creation. We can hear what takes place but we can't see the Holy Spirit itself. So we are the dust of the earth and the breath of God's mouth. The Spirit has given us life. The Spirit is actively involved in creation. And Jesus explained to Nicodemus that the Spirit of God must also be involved in recreation. If new life is necessary, it must come from the Spirit of God. There is no other source. Uh, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the paraclete. Now, that word gets variously translated. Uh, in the new NIV that we just read, it's advocate, but also in the English Standard Version, it's helper, King James, comforter, uh, Holman Standard, counselor. Uh, the Holy Spirit, all of these things are within the, the, the range of the, that Greek word. The Holy Spirit advocates, helps, comforts, and directs performs all of those roles. How does he do so? John 16, 8 through 12, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, what will he do? He will prove the world in the wrong. Haven't we been waiting for this? The Holy Spirit is going to prove the world in the wrong. In regard to what? In regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. The world's got it wrong. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Have you ever been upset when the guilty go unpunished? We read it all the time. Sometimes we experience it personally. Uh, have you ever been frustrated when people call what is right wrong, what is wrong right? Uh, have you ever wondered when justice will ever come to the world and the Holy Spirit 
is going to prove the world wrong. This isn't a gentle rebuke. We ascribe the Holy Spirit's role once again as extending God's presence into creation in such a way as to order and complete the mind of God. One world for what world stands can justice will come. Jesus said more than you can bear. You can't even handle what God's going to do. Not at this moment. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in the truth. So part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to guide Christ followers in the truth. This isn't necessarily a natural thing. If we live in the world, it's the water we swim in. We live in no other place. And yet the world has been condemned. The prince of this world has been condemned. And so we're influenced by the ways of the world. It's hard not to be. And we're encouraged that the Holy Spirit will be our compass, will be our guide. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit will be our guide in this world because the world stands condemned. What the world says is right is not necessarily right. What the world says is wrong is not necessarily right. But the Holy Spirit will guide us in the truth, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So where does the truth come from? Continuing this passage, uh, he will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears from the word of God and will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me, Jesus, that he will receive what he makes known to you. So the truth of the Holy Spirit only comes from, it will come from Jesus, the word of God. So as a reminder, we have one God, three persons, they all work together and Jesus says in verse 15, John 16, 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he'll make known to you. A little while longer you'll see me no more. So many things might be said about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's powerful, intimately involved in creation, involved in the judgment of the world, upholding righteousness. The Holy Spirit reveals truth and continues the work of Christ. If we're wondering where in the world do we get a compass that will guide us through this life? It's through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. If we're wondering when will things ever be righted, because there's a lot of things wrong in this world, the Holy Spirit will be a part of that too. We can trust in the power of God that created everything that we know to make things right. But what that will look like may be more than we can handle right now. Well, how does the Holy Spirit affect us? Um, in the spring of 2020, with COVID ramping up, Americans learned a whole host of new phrases. We learned about masking, social distancing, markers on the floor told us where to stand in the supermarket. Some things were conspicuously absent, like toilet paper and paper towels. What do people do with all that toilet paper? Maybe they're still using it. The government defined essential business. Essential businesses are those activities so critical that they would not be shut down by the government. Some decisions that were deemed essential were common sense, others not so much. For example, healthcare, food, beverage, manufacturing, distribution, gas stations were all deemed essential. Schools, salons, activities for amusement, such as movie theaters, non-essential. On the other hand, cannabis dispensaries were declared essential. Within a short period of time, marijuana went from becoming illegal to essential in Illinois. 
go figure. It seems that in some instances, the government was confused over what was essential business. Well, even Christians sometimes get confused over what's essential. We are critical of our governor for declaring cannabis dispensaries essential, even as he shut down our schools. Um, but we do the very same thing when we make the business of the flesh more important than the business of the Holy Spirit, living by the Spirit. Christians are called to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh, and Galatians 5 gave us a list of fleshly ways that we should not live and a more fruitful list of how we should live according to God. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, as I read that list, and as you perhaps have heard it before, you and I know which sort of spiritual fruit may be missing or not as strong as it should be in our own lives. But the Spirit of God is the source of spiritual fruit. For a Christ follower, or living by the Spirit is not optional, it is essential business. And so, when, as we think about how we should, we've, we've learned that the Spirit of God is powerful, more powerful than we can imagine. He's intimately involved in creation. He does what's in the mind of God. He's cooperating with the work of Jesus in our restoration. Our new birth is actually called spiritual rebirth, uh, born of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit does all of those things, but how do we, what, what do we, I don't think we need to know is that when we live by him. And on the day of Pentecost, uh, Jesus' disciple Peter declared to a great crowd of people how they might have the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're wondering, do I have the Holy Spirit or not? How can I get the Holy Spirit? Uh, and Acts 2.38, Peter said, here's, here's the bottom line, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We find out that the Holy Spirit is a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit is a guide in our lives according to what is true. The Holy Spirit is, is the power for godly living. You'll receive that gift when you repent and be baptized, when you turn and turn, turn from the ways of the flesh, they turn from, to God. Now, it, it appears, uh, you know, we, we're called living sacrifices as Christians. Sometimes we're, we're, you know, we're, just, we're to crucify the flesh. It says it again in this, this uh, passage in Galatians. That we're, supposed to, uh, we're supposed to crucify the flesh. And, um, and yet, uh, it's said that sometimes we just keep on crawling off the, the altar here. Um, I think, as we, as, as we think about this, what Peter has said, repent and be baptized, it's a turning from the ways of the flesh to turning to the Spirit of God. Well, it seems that we need to keep on doing that. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we became, become more enamored with the ways of the flesh than we do the way of the Spirit. And yet when we don't crucify the ways of the flesh, the way that the Spirit cannot work as powerfully within us because it's being obscured. Paul describes the acts of the flesh. They stem from wrong desires. They are contrary to the Spirit of God. There's a conflict between living by the flesh and living by the Spirit. Here's 
a description of some ways people live in the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It's an incomplete list. If you look at any one of Paul's letters, he always has sort of a list of things. It's the list of what not to do. And sometimes from that, we are mistaken thinking that uh, Christianity is a list of things to do and things not to do. But it's just, a, it's just an example of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. If you're wondering, if you're walking according to the flesh, here's a whole list of things. Maybe you're jealous and envious of somebody else. Maybe you have fits of anger. Maybe you have, it's in this category over here. Those are the ways of the flesh, not the ways of the Spirit. The ways of the Spirit are over here. They're in this bucket over here. You know, not necessarily a complete list, but uh, joy and peace and patience, kindness, self-control, all those things are the ways of the Spirit. Have you ever had unrighteous anger, impure thoughts, actions, unforgiveness, jealousy, or gossip? Have you ever been part of a clique? Have you ever sowed discord, engaged in substance abuse, or acted sexually immoral? Are there things not on the list that you've engaged in that you know are wrong? And what would it take to get out of that mess? I warn you, he says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Jesus told Nicodemus that if he wanted to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. The spirit of God must work productively in your life so you can live differently from the world. But I think that sometimes we get stuck. We get stuck in the ways of the flesh, and maybe it starts out like, you know, we'll just do things that we know we're indulging a little bit on one side, and, and as we do those, uh, we continue to sort of go that direction. We drift away instead of moving towards the Lord. And all of us are either moving away from God or towards him. We want to be moving towards him, but the ways of the flesh will help us to drift away. The way of the Spirit helps us to come closer to God. And sometimes we think, well, there's this thing going on in my life. Maybe it's an addiction I can't break, some type of behavior I can't stop doing. Maybe it's, you know, someone that we love that is just walking the wrong direction uh, and, and we feel powerless to do anything about those things. And yet, the Spirit of God within us is not a warm feeling in the chest. The Spirit of God within us is the power of God that created all things, restores all things, transforms all things. The Spirit of God in us can change your life, can change my life. And we want to embrace the Spirit of God. And we want to crucify the ways of the flesh. There may be things that we need to do that we know are obviously not of God, and we need to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to crucify that. God, I need your help to do that, because I am stuck. But I know there's power in the Spirit of God. And this power that is on my heart we love, activate ways for us to... Are we doing that? Are we praying along with the Holy Spirit? God, change my life, change other people's lives. How much time are we spending communing with the Lord, spending listening to his voice, seeking after the Holy Spirit? You see, there, we could go into Galatians and talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and maybe we will in days ahead. But what we need to know is there is 
the power of God behind all of this to resist the bucket of what's wrong and to move towards what God has declared is right is not just for us to kind of figure it out and become good people and everything. It is the power of God as we repent, trust in Jesus, and turn away through the power of the Holy Spirit, which God puts in us. If you've never put your faith in Christ, I encourage you to repent, to declare, to agree with God on what he says is wrong, and to ask him that Jesus would lead your life, that, your, that God's Holy Spirit would come and activate your life and strengthen your life in him, that you would experience spiritual rebirth. We can ask God and he will do those things. And for some of you, you've, you've never been baptized or you've been baptized as an infant, never been baptized as an adult. I, I want you to, I want to encourage you. Um, it's, you know, um, look up, make a decision for Christ. Try to find that in scripture and look up baptism and see what it says. It's not that baptism's magic, but there are certain things that we have to do, and if we're resistant towards them, we have to check our own heart and see why we are, and if we're, if we're in a good spot with the Lord. Well, I leave you with this. The Spirit of God is a spirit of power. And the power of God wants to work in your life, in my life, that we might be declared righteous, that we might be guided in the truth, that we might live according to the way of Jesus. Please bow your heads with me. Uh, Father God, you are our delight. Not only did you create the heavens and the earth, Lord, speaking them into existence by your powerful word. But you continue to be intimately involved with that creation through your Holy Spirit. You sustain what is, and you work powerfully in human hearts. God, we pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would work through your spirit. Help us, give us the strength to believe, Lord, that you can change the hearts of our loved ones. Give us the strength to believe that you can change our hearts. And Father, we pray that through your spirit, you would set us free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.